Hey everybody, this is Keith Davis with Sweat the Details. I am here today with my partner Jim Duncan, and we are joined by Chris Henry, who is with Stony Point Development, which is a local Charlottesville development company. Um, Chris has been active in real estate markets from equity side, from the developer side, from landowner, from um, kind of working with city council and other groups. And we wanted to get with him because he has just opened one of Charlottesville's newest and most exciting projects called the Dairy Market. Um, and Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Keith. Nice to be here. Yeah. So, I, you know, if um try to give you a little bit of lead there, but why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about Stony Point, how you got where you are and, and some of the projects you're working on, and then we can go more deeply into, into the dairy market. Sure. Well, so I founded Stony Point Development Group um, in 2015 with a, a local partner here in Charlottesville, Virginia, around the idea of creating great places and enhancing lives through the built environment. Uh, my passion uh, as an undergrad at, at the University of Virginia and grad school at Virginia Tech was urban planning and dovetailing that with travel and some other interests and and sort of observing in a lot of different scenarios how um, place can impact and enhance lives. Uh, it can also do the opposite, and I could give you some examples of that. And I wanted to be, um, through my career, um, improving um, places and and therefore improving how people um, live and experience those places. And that, that was what drove the founding of the business. And it started with a project here in Charlottesville that you guys are familiar with called Riverside Village. And that was about 100 houses, condos, apartments, and 12,000 square feet of retail that I led the rezoning effort on. And, and initially, it was going to be a, a, a project where we entitled the land, built some lots, and then sold the builders. And as you all know, when we got to the point where it was time to, to sell the lots, my uh, partner and I decided that it might be a better idea to start a home building company. It's one of the wilder things that I've decided to do, but we, but your partner, um, I think you're talking about Josh, Josh certainly has been involved in the construction end before Stony Point. He was doing modular, um, kind of cassette built projects, I guess we can call it, uh, with a Virginia Tech architect that he was working with on that. Correct. Yeah. Flat, flat stack modular. And, um, as opposed to big box modular where they take the whole thing and push it down the road. This is where you divide up the, the uh, structure into components, flat pack them, and then assemble them with a crane. So he was doing that and uh, and it was doing some design work for me on the side. And when, when I decided to start the home building company, he was the first person I hired because of his experience putting not, uh, not only putting together homes, but putting together a company that, that built homes as well. And he had done that a couple of times here in Charlottesville. So we built a home building and a development business around the Riverside Village project that I mentioned. I worked on that for three or four years, um, you know, building houses, building a, a condominium building with a with a really in, innovative solar canopy in the parking lot, um, and then building a mixed-use component, which was the last phase of the project called the Shops at Riverside. It was 12,000 square feet of, of retail with 24 market-rate apartments on top. Um, and that finished actually last year. We uh, we stabilized that building. The apartments are 100% leased. The retail's 80% leased. Um, and that just is kind of in the portfolio now. And along the way, uh, on that journey, we, um, we had picked up a number of pieces of development land, kind of back to the original um, overarching philosophy of, of the business was um, trying to find great places that we could really enhance with the projects that we were doing. And so it led us into a lot of commercial development as opposed to staying just a, a residential home builder, um, because a lot of places have multiple 
uh, you know, mixed uses associated with them. And they happen to be in more urban locations. And so that led us down the path of, of the dairy central project. So, so Chris, back on the Riverside for a second, um, many builders, many folks that, that we talk to in the construction trade kind of value engineer their projects a lot. Right. And, and sometimes that means stripping a lot of flavor out of the architecture. It means taking some of the regional vernaculars out of, out of the projects you're doing. That is absolutely not the tact that Stony Point's ever taken. Um, I mean, just even interior of the coffee house at, at Riverside Village, amazingly cool space, right? Talk about kind of, you know, you said you wanted to create spaces that were meaningful to people. Talk about how architecture has played into that, or in, I don't know if this goes to the ULI involvement that you've had, or if this is purely at that, at the, the tangible architecture side, but it's certainly been important to your business. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of that goes to the urban planning, um, perspective and background that I bring to the table. And then Josh, um, is an architect by training. And so as a, as an early partner in the business, um, Josh always had this lens of, of great design and he knew he had a lot of contacts that were great architects and we were able to network and, and work with some of the folks that we thought did the best design in Charlottesville. And, and it doesn't, you know, great design doesn't have to be, um, a lot of, a lot more expensive. It generally is a bit more expensive. And you start with these architects and there, we've been through many, many com conversations and rounds of quote value engineering. But I think there's always been a sense of, of going, of where, you know, what's too much or when do you go too far? Or what elements do, are we actually willing to spend a little bit of extra on um, to create the great places and, and really enhance the, the projects in a meaningful way. And a lot of that comes out in site design. I think how we, how we site buildings, um, how we relate them to the street, how we think about entrances, um, how we think about uh, you know relegating parking and things like that, hiding the car, not responding to just a vehicle-oriented lifestyle, but a lifestyle that allows people to use their feet or other modes of transportation and connect with their neighbors in meaningful ways. Those are really intentional design moves sometimes that I think used to be very common in the world and have become less so as kind of suburban suburbanization, I think, has just led people to design the world around the car. And, and so a lot of the industry is oriented towards that type of design. Yeah. We bring them into a city, you kind of have to push them to think a little bit differently about that. Well, if, we, know, one, one thing, Keith, it, with Dairy Central, and it, well, obviously we'll have a, big, a nice photo and write up on this on the on the blog post that with this post, but the it, entrance of Dairy Central, you know, there's a, this massive building and the cars are off to the side. You know that that's where the main parking is. You get, there are a few spots in front for for the for cars, but it's really oriented more for the pedestrian and the scooters and the Ubers and the lifts, et cetera. Now, what was the thinking behind that? Just to bring that in, bring the city into the building, if you will, or is it to make it a more organic approach? Because I think it's the it's one of the very few in the Charlottesville area that has that that very intentional design feature of we want this to be for people to arrive and not cars. Yeah, I think it's, it's again, it's the pedestrian-oriented um, design ethos um, that I think I, probably more than anybody else on my team, am, am, am thinking about constantly just because of, of the nature of what I've studied and where I read and where I travel. So I experience a lot of places that, that do it well. Um, and so I actually was, I knew, you know, I, I knew parking would come up uh, in the conversation. So I, I ran some numbers for you guys. We have 167 structured parking spaces in, in Dairy Central and 252 
surface parking spaces, some of which we built and some of which we lease from our neighbor. And the plan in the future is actually where you see that surface parking lot that's entitled to build two new buildings, one of which will be a parking garage. Um, and so it is very much kind of a, an urban vertical mixed use type design. And the site has been laid out to accomplish that. Um, and the way that the buildings uh, were oriented were towards the street, towards the sidewalk, um, using the, uh, the topography that we had to create that terrace that's in front of the building, um, even using the, the topography that we had to create a, a, um, uh, a handicap ramp up the front of the building and making that a design feature rather than trying to hide it on the side or in the back, um, which usually backfires on you. Yeah. And we created that stramp in the front, this large pedestrian, pedestrian plaza. And the concept of dairy market itself is very much a European um, building typology. If you travel around in Madrid or other famous cities in Europe, you'll, you'll see these, these large public markets um, in a lot of different areas. And so they, they're these community centers. They're, they're kind of a mix between a grocery store and a, uh, and a shopping mall but in a way that's mostly about local products and, and neighborhood service versus a, a super regional mall that's trying to attract a shopper from one or two hours away. Um, so it's really just, it's a pedestrian approach. It, does, well, does your experience, I mean, I, it, being in downtown Charlottesville, I mean, our offices are close by, you know, I, I see you running all the time. You know, I ride a bike around town, around the county. It, does running help inform how you approach things like that? You know, it probably does. Um, I would struggle to give you a, a, you know, a concrete example off the top of my head, but I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm always on my feet. I live in downtown Charlottesville. As you said, I'm, I'm running all the time. I, I, I intentionally kind of live my life uh, away from the car just because it's my, it's a preference that it, it keeps me healthier. I like being outside. Um, and I think cars really you know, have a lot of negative externalities that weren't really contemplated when they were invented and, and the majority of the U S planning system was oriented around them. Uh, and so you kind of have to be intentional about not designing your life around one. Right. Uh, I've, I've done that. And I think maybe that's reflected in some of the design that, that we use. I actually was joking with someone on my team the other day. I, I think I, my lifestyle is better suited for the 1920s than it is for today, just because <laughs> I was, I was in Stanton and I was noticing that they had the train station there. And it's a picture of Woodrow Wilson going up to Washington, leaving the city. And I was thinking how nice it would be to get to Stanton from Charlottesville via train versus via car. Right. Um, just a anecdote, but yeah. Well, and, and purely as a, as a off topic thing, um, we actually had a, a birthday party for our son years ago when he was probably six, seven years old. And we took a bunch of his friends by train from Charlottesville to Stanton to go to the depot grill purely because the kids don't ride on the train, right? It was a fun experience yeah. of, of, and I think the tickets were like $3 and 50 cents a piece. It was perfect. Um, <laughs> and, I didn't know uh, they had the train. You got to show me where to buy the ticket. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's every day. There's a, uh, or at least at the time they were, they were still daily service that it goes from Charlottesville out to Chicago. Chicago, but it goes right through the through the Stanton train station. Um, Amazing, pretty cool. Well, I'm a huge, cool you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of transit oriented development, and uh, I wish that I mean I, I ride I ride the train to DC sometimes even for business, and I wish that we had more trains yeah. available. But the the state of Virginia has done a lot um, to advance the ball on rail travel. We're one of the better situated states as far as that goes. We have a long way to go, but. Um, just a, a side note on that. Yeah. Well, and I will say, I mean, I'm seeing more and more projects in in many places that have, you know, bike 
garages, um, you know, for once you arrive at work that there's a, you know, secure storage for the bikes instead of having to take them into the offices. And I think there is, you know, especially Charlottesville, we have more and more bike corridors that are popping up. My, I read somewhere that the Rose Hill corridor, which is basically, you know, a T intersection into where the dairy market, dairy central is. Um, that's Jim, what is it? The third highest trafficked road by bicycles in the city is Rose yeah. Hill. Yeah, it's up there. It's, yeah. it's a crazy high number. And I think um, more and more projects like Dairy Central, it's it it lends itself well to kind of connecting the city by non, non-car traffic. Yeah. Yeah. So com- I, I, compact uses and verticality and, and uh, honestly, um, you know, household density would create those environments. You can't do it when you have, um, you know, one house per acre or, or, you know, whatever those low low density residential communities have been it, it just doesn't set up for uh, enough people per acre for a business to be successful if it's corner retail for example yeah so let's talk, let's talk really quickly while you're you're on that topic riverside village um had condos it had apartments it had single family dwellings um along a corridor that had a beautiful had one of charlottesville's largest parks at darden tau um, but it also tended to be the road to the rural section of, of Albemarle. Um, Derry right now does not have residences in this phase, but your next building does have mm-hmm. that one is, is slated for residence. Yeah. So um, Derry Central as a project, the way that, that I think about it is um, it's basically five and a half acres. It's, it's multiple city blocks on Preston Avenue. Um the largest portion of that was a super block because there was a factory on it. That was the Monticello dairy that was built in 1937. They made ice cream, cheese, um, other milk products and shipped them door to door in Albemarle County. Um, and they could just sort of expanded over time to take up something like 20 different single family lots and built this factory on it. And what we're doing now is actually deconstructing portions of that that are not historically uh, relevant or valuable um, and creating a new set of, of blocks on this site. So there will be four different um, buildings interconnected by streets and sidewalks um, and street trees and street lights and all the things that come with that on this property that used to be uh, one giant building that was surrounded by a fence. Um, and so we've almost, I mean, if you read sometimes about these large shopping malls being turned inside out into lifestyle centers, we've taken this old factory and turned it inside out and and created a new streetscape out of it. Um, and that's really dairy central as I think about the project. The first phase was renovating the the original 1937 structure of dairy, uh, Monticello Dairy, adding 50,000 feet of office space to it. And then the second phase is 180 uh, market rate apartments that are being built behind that building, all in new construction. Um, and then I mentioned the the future phases that'll be built on the on the surface parking lots in the uh, at some point down the road. Um, and so that's that's dairy central as as I think about it. And um, you know we're working on building out those phases over the next few years. Where where else are you are you? I mean, you're, you mentioned earlier you're doing some up up into the eastern seaboard. I mean, where else are you doing projects? And you know, in in the U.S. Um, and are, is there anything else out there that you're doing? like this or is this a singular effort because they ought be the opportunity presented itself uh well we have nothing exactly like this right now it's it's uh, kind of a unique one just because of the nature of the real estate that we were able to buy 
Um, and a lot of the work that we're doing, I think, responds to that location and the nature of that real estate. Um, we own a, an apartment building that we bought in Raleigh, North Carolina, last year. Um, and we've done a lot of work in a small town called Harwich, Mass which is on Cape Cod in, in Massachusetts. And that's because our, our equity partner uh, grew up in that area and has a lot of interest and knows a lot of people. So he's been acquiring some properties up there and he'll bring my team in to, to help renovate. Um, so we did a, a very small mixed use building up there, about 12,000 feet. Um, we have a, a community uh, grocery store called Cape Roots Market on the ground floor. And we have four uh, very high-end vacation rental condos uh, above that. Um, and so we finished that building in 2019 and, and have that in the portfolio. So it's kind of a flavor of what, of what we're working on right now. What, um, anything else in Virginia that you guys are doing outside of Charlottesville or are you sticking pretty local right now? Oh, well, I also forgot to mention, um, Gordonsville. We have a lot of real estate on main street in Gordonsville. Um, again, the, our equity partner has, uh, had a history up there. And so he had acquired some properties and has brought us in to reimagine those. Um, and the first part of that is going to be called the champion ice house. This is uh, 212 North main street in Gordonsville, it's the old Memorial Hall building. So it's where a town hall used to be, and then it was a movie theater, and then it was a, an accounting department um, for a, a, uh, a baby food manufacturing company. And then it was vacant for about five years. Um, we've partnered with Hunter Smith at Champion and Craig Hartman with the Barbecue Exchange. Um, and we're gonna create a, uh, a Texas style fried chicken and beer uh, brew pub. And that's slated to open in May of this year, which is pretty exciting. And we have some other buildings on Main Street that we hope will build on this energy and we'll turn those into, into something fun in the future that um, that we haven't decided on yet. Yeah, I think the fun, the fun part to what you just said, Chris, is you're talking about, you know, for, for listeners outside Virginia, they don't know the names Craig and Hunter and folk. But the reality is you're talking about someone who is an incredibly classically trained chef who is a gourmet background, who gave it all up to make the best barbecue in the area, and who has been a, a absolute destination restaurant for for foodies, and it's barbecue, and it is amazing barbecue. And he's been, and you know, full disclosure, he does, he has uh, supplied the Nest County Fair barbecue for probably eight years running, I think, yeah. at least. Um, eight, eight or nine years. Greg's amazing. Hunter's beers have have taken off in Charlottesville Champion, you know, teamed up with uh, Brasserie Cezanne and the 10 Course Hospitality Group to do a bunch of beers in the downtown mall. And he's got, you know, the this the ice house you're doing now i mean this he, these are these are fabulous business folk not just um you know food names this is a great group you're tying in with and, you, yeah, so, and you're tying it with really great people i mean it, it, these aren't mm -hmm. people that there's a, a, a generic product that says here's an opportunity to to build a thing but here's a thing to do an, an extraordinary thing that's going to yeah. be exciting and, and stepping back for a second what does that imagination process look like and you, you know, Craig comes to you or, or y'all go to Craig and Hunter and say, here's an idea. So what, how does it evolve from, so let's do this, this cool thing. Yeah. Um, well, you're right. I mean, it is, it, it's back to kind of that placemaking aspect of it is, is to get retail right is really hard. And a lot of it, I think depends on the quality of the operators we work with, the types of spaces we're building um, and where we put those spaces. It has to be this um synthesis that all comes together and sometimes it doesn't work we you know we haven't um not everything that we've done on the retail front has, has been successful but we think we figured out a lot of the ingredients one of them is really important which is those operators so working with guys like craig hartman who food network 
uh, said had the best barbecue in the United States last year. Uh, Hunter Smith Esquire called his tap room here in Charlottesville the the coolest uh, new brew pub in in the United in, in the Southeast. I think back in like 2016. These are like serious players, serious operators. They treat their art um, like a, you know their their business is is an art. Um, and so we're trying to use these properties to create places like that. And to my, and in my mind, that is, is similar to an art. And so we're just kind of putting these pieces together and seeing what flies. What I is, kind of think about it like, um, planting a lot of seeds, you know, I have timing, a lot of conversations with folks. What does timing look like on a project like that? How long have you guys been planning and what's your, your hopeful opening date look like? On um, so the ice house is kind of a good, good example of, of just planting these seeds. I mean, I've been working on that specific building, um, for this project. We, we, we owned the real estate and we knew we wanted it. We thought a brewery would be successful in this location and would help spark more growth on main street in Gordonsville. And so I actually put together, I hired an architect and we drew up some sketches for a plan. And then I found a girl that knew a lot about beer and was connected in the industry. And she went, she flew around the beer, um, like the world beer cup in Colorado and would talk to brewmasters and say, Hey, we got this cool thing in Gordonsville. Like, do you want to come make the beer? <laughs> and we did that for a few years. And we, uh, we thought we got really close to finding a great team that was going to come in and do that for us. And they, they backed out at the last minute and it was through, I was complaining about that to a friend who said, well, have you talked to Hunter Smith? And I hadn't, I didn't know him at that point. So we sat down for a conversation and within like 20 minutes, Hunter was all in and had called Craig Hartman, who he's friends with, and said, hey, Craig, like, Chris has this opportunity, and we've been talking about doing beer and chicken. I think this is it. And it just all <laughs> kind of came together. <laughs> um, so you just kind of, you know, you stay on the field, you wait for the ball to come to you, and when it does, you got to be ready to make a play. So so it sounds like this is, you know, look, we're, you know, to, to timestamp this recording, we're mm -hmm. kind of at the point where America is starting to see an end to COVID and starting to see a, a daylight. Um, the projects we've been talking about, those have changed dramatically over time as you've been trying to launch in the midst of, of a COVID world. Um, anything you've, it just to kind of go back and think about where you're, are you even, are we considering that for future projects or are we kind of, we're getting beyond that now or how does that, how does what took place with Jerry Central inform the way you're thinking about that with the ice house or is COVID still in the mindset of long-term planning? Oh, um, I mean, there's barely a day that goes by where we don't talk about it in the office or with our, our teams. But, um, I think the major and the two, the two big things that I would try to tease out of that question are, you know, the retail landscape is different now than it was a year ago it was already changing and COVID accelerated that, um, immensely. So uh, basically the shift from in-person to online sales and where people shop. Um, and so the big box and the strip mall, those things have have generally uh, been declining except for some grocery anchored and the, and the uh, fast food drive-throughs have been doing great. But some of these um, more in-town um, small mom and pop shops have gotten decimated. You look at the downtown mall, and there's more vacancies than I can remember seeing in the entire time I've lived in Charlottesville, which started in 2008. Um, so I think there, we've accelerated those trends and what, um, what good retailers are doing is now negotiating for shorter lease terms, more um, capital investment from the landlords, just different types of deals, which will allow, I think, more turnover of, um, of some of these 
unique concepts. So the, the experiential retail stuff that Amazon has a hard time competing with also requires a lot of creativity and innovation from these business owners. And they don't, none of these small guys have capital. These aren't chain right. restaurants or anything. And so, right. so those terms have changed and the leverage in the negotiations is different even this year than it was 12 months ago. Um, so we, you know, we're experiencing that and we're, we're learning from that. And then there's a lot of talk about how buildings can respond in the design and construction to COVID. Um, we got actually really lucky with the dairy market because it is a very large building. So we have, I think, 37,000 square feet of basically re retail market hall on the first floor. Almost 10,000 of that is common area. So just open space for customers, 15 right. foot ceilings. Um, we have, we have a, a number of hood systems that are in there. And so we did a calculation that the air changes per hour in that building was like 15 or 16 and the CDC guidelines for a, a COVID safe building are five to six. So we're three times what that was. And we had the opportunity because we were finishing the building and in the summer of last year was we upgraded our air handling systems to have higher grade filtration. Um, we even got a quote for UV filters, but we ended up just going with MERV 15. Um, which was the CDC's kind of guidance for high filtration. It filters down to like 0.9 microns, things like that. So, um, so we had some. We we were able to incorporate some design changes that helped us, and the building layout. You know, we got lucky with that. But I think in in the future, people think more along those lines. Larger spaces, people are more spread out, um, and then your building systems can respond with filtration and fresh air. I mean, and that's all stuff that's going to persist forever. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's not going to you know in eighteen months we're going to say oh we're going to go back to small spaces with 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 less air filtration. We're, this is just going to be a permanent evolution of how building sciences are uh, are 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 implemented. It's just been a, an acceleration that was already one of the kind of chapters in like the lead book that some people go through for certified that our our project is going to achieve lead silver. Um, so it was it was one of those things that you had to consider, but I think now it's become uh, a priority for a well, lot of folks. It, and by the way, I haven't had a cold in 12 months, and that's pretty nice. Yeah. You, you know, one of the interesting things, though, Christy, you, you said that Amazon can't respond to some of these things locally. And I think the the piece that I just love about the projects you've done is that they are local-based companies who are involved, right? It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's from, from the barbecue exchange to Champion Brewery to – you know, the different restaurateurs that you, you know, from take it away to Dino's pizza to these are local folk. I mean, these are, you know, you walk in and it's the owner who is, is sitting there doing the work behind the counter. And, um, I think that is the part that I find most fascinating that, yeah, we are, look, I, I've, I'm guilty of spending a ton of money on Amazon this year, but I also respect even more now the players that we have who are local, who we can rely upon to, to really want to partner with and to do something good for the community, because that's in, at the end of the day, that's where we all are is right here in Charlottesville. And, and we need to support, you know, the businesses that are here in town. Um, and so I love, I love the way your projects have, have been able to do that, whether that was, you know, the out from the outset intent, um, you know, Jim and I have been involved in a residential project where we, we really pushed long and hard early on that we wanted local small builders and not national, um, names coming in and, and it's created a, a better neighborhood, I think for mm -hmm. that. And I think a lot of what you've yeah. done is the same, same way you've created better communities by working with the neighbors. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Uh, it's, that, absolutely. One, one push on that. And 
you know, it's funny when I walk around the the, the park and, and near my neighborhood, and I see on the baseball diamond that all this, all the uh, all the banners for the businesses that, that support them, I don't see Amazon there. You know, <laughs> you know, these are all our local businesses that that help support our community. So I think it's something that yeah. it's it's kind of awesome to see this sort of thing thrive in the way it's, in in the way that it has. Yeah. Uh, well, there's definitely, I think there's an intentionality to it, as you guys pointed out. And, and, you know, it happened at Lachlan Hill. We were involved in that project, as you know, Keith, in, in a small way. And, um, and it's always been one of the qualities that I look for in the work that we do, because all things being equal, it's much more, I think it's healthier for a community to have those types of businesses and they need people that support them. And it's also a lot more fun to work with them yeah. um, than a, than a big box or a chain. And, and, those decisions um, in real estate sometimes are made by financing or by investors or, you know, these the quote credit tenants yeah. have more valuable leases. Um, we've been lucky at the dairy because we kind of have a mix of both. We have a lot of small um, local operators in our market hall. And then the office building is leased primarily by, um, you know, by, by Fortune 500 companies, CoStar, Dexcom, um, UVA. So those, so the risk profile there, I think there's a balance uh, from an from an investor standpoint, but the um, but the community building aspect of it is is a, is pretty important as well, and you can only get that I think by working with um, local businesses and small businesses primarily. But yeah. we we look for those opportunities. Yeah. Well, Chris, as we're uh, we're hitting our thirty minute mark here, we're going to wrap this up, and with our final question, we ask of every guest. Uh, you know, title of this podcast is "Sweat the Details." You know, when you wake up every day, what is one detail that you sweat that you just can't let go of? So I was thinking about that a lot today. And I think the one thing, especially, in, and it relates and ties into even Riverside Village and, and the dairy project or the work we're doing in Harwich or Gordonsville is the is community. Um, and, you know, the ethos for the company about creating great places and enhancing lives. You do that, I think, through create, creating community in a lot of ways. And so the businesses they br- we, we try to bring into our projects, the places we try to put our projects, um, and the way that we try to build relationships with the people around our projects or that will interact with it in, in so many different ways is an intentional thing that we think about and we talk about it. Um, and I think it I think it's a really important thing to keep in mind and something that I um, talk to younger developers about, you know, that, are, that might want to get into the business. These are decisions now working with communities to not only get projects approved, but to have good relations after your projects are built, uh, that that we're going to see a lot more of, and that it becomes it not only is the right thing to do, I think, but it also becomes a major problem if you don't do it well in certain cases. Um, and so I think a lot about the community aspect of things, and we talk about decisions that we make and how they're going to relate to the community, and we try to keep the communities informed that we're working with. And this goes down to the very local level, to the neighborhoods, to the community meetings, even to specific people inside the neighborhoods that we know and have built relationships with, where we try to partner with that are outside of our project, uh, groups like the City of Promise um, in 10th and Page, where their goal is to end, end generational poverty. And they're six blocks from our building. And to the extent that we can do a, you know, buy one thing and get 10% and it goes to charity and we can help enhance that business, um, that's going to build the whole community. And I think that that's a really kind of exciting and fun thing to think about, um, with real estate. So that's the detail that I, I think, I think the most about. (laughs) 
I, you know, I, was, I, had, I had a follow-up question, but I think I was going to leave it there because that was an amazing answer, and uh, I, nothing I could ask would, would add to it. Uh, so I'll just say, Chris, thanks so much, man. It was really appreciate uh, you taking the time. You're welcome. Nice chatting with you guys today. It's been fun, and we'll uh, we'll get together. We'll do another one of these, but we'll do it from inside Dairy Central, and and uh, when we're all vaccinated, and we can all get together safely. Please do. We'll have our mouths full of local food. Amen. And beer. 